mysterious house guests, casket conundrums, and a conversation with Elaine Richards. It's all next on Episode 6 of Resurrection Revealed. Welcome back to Resurrection Revealed, the unofficial podcast and blog by fans and for fans. With theories and more about ABC Television's Resurrection, and this one's recorded on March 19th, 2014. With you once again, I'm Wayne Henderson, the voice acting Green Bay Packers fan who luckily is not planning on turning to dust anytime soon. That's a good thing. I'm Troy Heinrichs, suffering once again from open casket phobia ready to unearth all the new information we learned on this second episode of Resurrection that aired March 16th, 2014 in the States. And we share a very special interview with Samira Armstrong, the fabulous actress who plays Elaine Richards. Show notes for this episode will be found at our website, resurrectionrevealed.com slash six. Casket phobia, Troy? Yeah, you know, it's this condition of seeing a casket on a television show and fearing you will never, ever get the answer of who is inside. Oh. You know, this phobia for me actually began about seven years ago between season three and season four of Lost. So I hope we don't have to wait an entire season to see if there is or isn't anybody, anybody, anybody inside the casket. You all, everybody. Oh, man. What a great way to just end that episode, right? I mean, just open the casket. And this is the best part, because if you're a, a Jason Mott book reader of the returned again you can order uh the hardcover version now you can pre-order the paperback from our amazon affiliate links at resurrectionrevealed.com slash amazon but if you're a book reader that's the one thing you said the entire time it's like why won't they just go open up the tomb and luckily we got our answer but still don't know if he's in there or not hopefully this coming week all will be revealed crossing our fingers I think the bigger questions coming out of the rewatch this week, you know, do you think Fred Langston has a serious problem with booze? Because I pretty sure he lied to Maggie about having a bunch of friends over. I think he was on a bender because he had just, you know, realized this information from his brother about the cheating that was going on. And he seemed pretty out of it when Maggie showed up at the front door. So I think he was on his own thing. What do you think? He was definitely totally out of it, Troy. I'm going to, go with that it was a one-time thing that just because of that tragic news about his wife's past that he just went way off the deep end however on the other side that was an awful lot of alcohol if he just has that much just laying around the house all the time i don't know now other than that i totally get the feeling that everything is awesome with jacob you know after the scene where he's playing with the legos that was awesome well Everything is cool when you are part of a team, except the team that Jacob is playing for right now might not be the one you want to be on, I don't think. True. I mean, the kids at the playground certainly don't think that it's a great idea to hang out with Jacob, or at least the parents don't think it's such a good idea True. for their kids to be hanging out with Jacob. And then, of course, if Jacob and Caleb really do know that each other is dead and that they need to lie to people, partnering up with Caleb, I think, only ends in one way, with a hammer to your kneecap. And that's no good. That's no good for everybody. He, somebody's got to take that hammer away from that guy. We also know that everything is awesome when you're living your dream. And in this case, Jacob may just be doing that as we see in the opening. But I think this was actually a great way to establish that Jacob 
is in fact alive since the dream state for Jacob at least was not quote unquote real. Unless of course the producers are going all inception on us. I wonder if we should even tie anything into that dream of it having any particular meaning or is Jacob just having nightmares? Because after all, Caleb looks rather shady wearing his hoodie and just slowly walking around, staring at people, whistling that creepy, creepy whistle that he does. I, I think he might just be having nightmares because I know I would if somebody like that, if I kept catching them around town, wandering around, looking at me and whistling. Yeah, nightmares. Well, more importantly, in the dream sequence, they're wearing the same clothes that they were wearing when they came back to life. So did they? Well, I guess that's a really interesting question in itself. Did they come back to life? Did they ever die in the first place? I think that's one of the questions we'll have to figure out as we go along. But, you know, they're wearing the same clothes. So how many other people that resurrect eventually on the show might be in the same plane of existence that we might see in this dream sequence? Will it come up again in the future? I think they're going to have to address this. And of course, I know you've read the book, The Returned. And although the show is veering off from the book you've told me, it's hard to say whether or not you have answers or not. I know that myself, I have no answers at all. And I'm just trying to figure all of that out because I think those are the big pivotal questions and can really cause uh, listeners to really get their brains spinning. And if you do have a theory about this and you're listening right now, jot down this phone number. It's area code 904-469-7469. And give us a call. Leave a voicemail with your theories about what's going on in this type of thing. And we'll play it on the next episode of the podcast and let your voice be heard, as they say. Well, I have a question for you that may pose a theory. Okay. Because we've been told, you know, that the past is going to be a character. So what do you suppose is behind Fred and Henry and maybe their little feud or spat that they have, especially now that this new information is out about the drowning and, and the uh, Barbara cheating, you know, they're brothers, so brothers are going to fight, right? I mean, that's yes. just a given. But Fred kind of claimed that Henry was always trying to control him. I mean, it was a very, you know, point in always. So does this go back to, you know, growing up? Does this go back to the factory? And maybe they were working together at the factory before he becomes the sheriff. What are your thoughts on Henry and Fred's relationship so far after two episodes? Well, the way that he used the term always really struck a chord because when you're in an argument with somebody, especially with your spouse, never use the words never or always. And even when you're fighting with your siblings, the fact that he threw the always out there really makes you wonder if there was something more going on, even when they were maybe teenagers and then young adults. And again, like you said, at the factory, I don't, I, so far, Henry doesn't seem like the type that would always be trying to control somebody. I know we've only seen two episodes and not very many flashbacks yet, but I have a feeling that Fred may be onto something that uh, Henry is a little more than just sibling rivalry. I'm not sure what it might mean, but it does seem like with the big always being thrown out there that something's behind it. And uh, that may or may not be something that they're ever going to explain, but I'm hoping they do. Well, and if he's being controlled by Henry, Maybe that's what pushes Frank over the edge because we all think so far that Fred might have something that he's hiding about this entire situation. So does he have whatever he's doing about this situation? Is it caused by the fact that he's kind of reaching out for attention because 
Henry was always trying to control him. Good point. And of course, with, with Fred, there's something suspicious about the guy. I just think there is. I don't know if it's being played that way or if I'm just extra suspicious because of all of the years watching Lost and then Fringe and the 4400 and all of that. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Another thing that I thought was really interesting is, at least so far, the two characters that have returned have biblical names. For example, we have Caleb. He's one of the good spies that came back from the 12 that were the early search party, checking out the promised land as the Hebrews, you know, they were leaving Egypt, coming to Israel. And then we have Jacob, of course, a much more popular or famous character from the Bible. He was the son that stole the birthright from his older brother, which is not a good thing, but later the father of the 12 tribes. And then he had that dream in which he wrestles with God. So the fact that Jacob is dreaming, you think that might be a tie-in to what's going on on the show. Well, the other kind of biblical thing I picked up on this week was in that dream sequence when Jacob stands outside of the tomb, which from a different angle, you can kind of tell that it's his tomb. But they really focused on that statue of what looked like a mom holding a child could be similar to maybe Mary holding Jesus, even though it was probably depicted to be Lucille holding Jacob. But I thought that was a really powerful scene too, that they, you know, why are you showing me this statue and focusing on the statue for as long as you did, unless it has some deeper meaning. I just think it's because Papa Langston was saying that uh, that whole mausoleum thing is, is just gaudy. And then he added on like everything I used to do back then. So I wonder what other gaudy things he might be uh, uh, guilty of. Well, one of the things that might be gaudy is 32 years outdated clothing because <laughs> I'm I'm not a fashion expert by any means. No, you know, it's me neither. Clearly evident that we're doing an audio podcast and not a video podcast for that very reason. But the clothes box scene this week, I thought was absolutely touching. I mean, I I almost I'm not a I'm not a mother. I'm a father, but you know. Females feel a certain way and males feel a certain way. But Francis Fisher, again, just saying so much without saying a single word as she opens that box, touches the clothes, looks at them, and she's just like, no. these." And, and I don't know if she like goes, no, these are my other son's clothes or if she has a different thought in her head. But clearly she's like, we're just going to go shopping. When in doubt, let's go shopping. But then again, you know, touching on 32-year-old fashion, it all comes around again. I mean, I could see where some of the uh, clothes that were folded up in there could definitely be back in fashion. And he does seem to have a thing for red clothing. Not all of it was red, but, you know, the red shirt that uh, he came back wearing. And then, of course, I saw some sort of red sweater. I uh, don't know if the color red is supposed to bring anything or if it's just, you know, his favorite color. Well, that's what somebody on Facebook said this week at uh you know, facebook.com slash resurrection revealed. Uh, if you want to go ahead and like us out there and communicate that way. But they said, you know, Caleb's hat was red too. So is this red kind of a symbolism thing? Kind of like it was um, the red in the movie with Bruce Willis, you know, the I see dead people, the sixth sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was that, you know, red front door and there was kind of that red motif in that as well. So I don't know if maybe the producers and writers are drawing from that a little bit. Um, yeah, you know, we mentioned you know kind of like the K back, the K packs kind of throwback moment uh, in the first episode. So maybe they're pulling some stuff from other places. 
it just kind of stood out. Pieces of clothing that are red. We'll have to see if someone else comes back what they're wearing and make note of it. We definitely want to keep an eye on it because somebody on Troy, uh, on Troy, on Twitter, kind of on a uh, lighter side was saying, you know, the red with the whole Star Trek of wearing red shirts and those are the doomed ones that get beamed down to the planets. Uh, don't know if that ties in, but I thought it was kind of funny. It's kind of funny, actually. I didn't think of it that way. Oh, come on. That was the first thing. when That was something put, somebody had on Twitter way back, like right after the premiere. Well, this week, we have a new video game that we can play. So we Yay. basically ordered from arcade stand-up Donkey Kong in 1981 over to Super Mario Brothers U on the Wii U. And now I know Nintendo of America has been having some issues selling this console, but with over 20 million people combined watching the first episode and another 10 million plus, we haven't seen the live three-day ratings yet this week. I'm pretty sure they're going to be getting some sales, you know, because if Jacob's playing the Wii U, then everybody should be playing the Wii U because that's cool. Well, everything is awesome and everything is cool. There was also something else that uh, I know you wanted to bring up and you said to remind you. Yeah, this might be a little spoilery. So if you want to, you can kind of turn down your volume for about 20 to 30 seconds. Okay, so I will. The guy at the end of the episode, his name is Dale Gethard, and he's played by Jason, I believe it's Saucier. So Dale is the guy that basically is scared that Caleb shows up. Now, if you don't want to be spoiled, turn your volume down for about 15 seconds or so because... Turn it down. Double check it and turn it down. It's down. I couldn't even hear you tell me to turn it down. Okay. <laughs> In three, two, one. Spoiler time. IMDB has Dale appearing in two other episodes. So either he is not dead from the hammer at the end of this episode, or this is our official nod to potential flashbacks in this first season. So most likely showing us maybe what Caleb did before he died, since Dale is clearly his partner in something. Or he magically returns right after being killed. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. That'd be something. So right? we'll, we'll have to wait to find out. Did you have any other uh, things on this awesome episode of uh, Resurrection before we dig into our ratings and then uh, share the interview? There's a ton of stuff we could talk about, but a lot of the fans have some of the same theories. So we're going to let you, the fans, tell us your theories, and then we'll tell you what we think about your theories after we talk to Samira Armstrong. She is the actress who plays Elaine Richards, Caleb's daughter on Resurrection. So we'll be playing that interview in just a second. But first, something that Wayne and I like to do is kind of give a a rating system. If you've listened to under the dome or Wayne's previous podcasts for lost and fringe, we give a rating based on kind of something that happened in the episode. So I will yield the floor to you, Wayne. What is your rating for unearth this week? All right. Thank you very much, Troy. Now, since awesome doesn't really give you an idea of where we're, we're going, we're going on a one to 10 scale. And I would give this episode of resurrection nine out of 10 trash cans filled with bread crusts. I like it. That was a good episode, and I love bread. And I'm going to agree with you and say it's a 9 out of 10 secret fence line conversations. Spooky as well. That is true. But overall, I think you know for a second episode, because remember the first episode is technically the pilot. It gets written, and then the networks pick it up. And then the second episode is really the 
true kind of showrunners and people that are going to be taking this as we go forward. So I think for a second episode, I think it was great. I almost think it was a little bit better than the first episode. Me too. Just because we get a lot of those, you know, cliffhangers and the casket and the Caleb scene at the end. And you know, there was just a lot of information thrown at us in this second episode. So it really is setting up the story for something really spectacular, I think. And we just have to wait a couple more days and we'll get to find out. I can't wait. Well, Resurrection fans, we have a special treat once again for all of you. We are here with Samira Armstrong. She plays Elaine Richards on Resurrection. And of course, this past week, you got to see her and her dad together for the first time ever since Caleb returned. A big thank you, of course, to Samira for coming out and actually talking to all the fans. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I feel like I've grown up watching your career since I was a huge fan of the OC. (laughs) I thought we could just start with maybe going through a little like actor process. Like you do the OC, you do Entourage, and now Resurrection. What's the difference when you prep for these kinds of roles where it's kind of more lighthearted and then here it's a little bit more kind of in depth? How does an actor go about that process? Yeah, well, I mean, I I can only speak for myself, you know, as, as an actor. I think a lot of the time the characters that I play reflect, you know, where I am personally in my life. And as far as like maturity levels and um, insights on, you know, perspectives of becoming an adult and that sort of thing. And I, I tend to be of the theory that, you know, we bring what sort of information we have to our characters from our own truths. Uh, and then, you know, of course, incorporate it with what we're saying, the script that we have. So I try to keep it really simple and stay in the moment. So the the work that goes into it, uh, you know, we can't we can't necessarily make up things that are too contradictory to what we discover in the moment while we're we're acting. So I I do my research. I understand where I'm coming from. What I what type of person I am or aren't, and then um, really let it play, you know, between action and cut. So we were wondering if. Based on doing any research before taking on this role, did you happen to read Jason Mott's book, The Returned, before joining on to do Resurrection? I might be the only actor on the show who did not. I, I didn't, you know, for me, I get so swept up when reading a book. I didn't want to identify with any of the story because, you know, the television was based on that show, or I'm sorry, was based on that book, but it is, isn't exactly the same. And I can be so heavily influenced by especially what I read that I wanted to stay not particular to one story. And I think, you know, once it, once it's over, I, I probably will go and, and read the book. But, um, you know, I hear it's an awesome book. Jason, I've met and hung out with, and he's an incredible person. And, and it has nothing to do with, with that at all. But uh, I wanted to stay closed off to anything else other than what was the script in front of me. Oh, excellent. So meeting Jason, that's almost the same as reading the book. It could be. You know, it's just <laughs> so cool to hear his story, uh, you know, from, from how the the concept came from the dream that he had to, you know, writing it out and, and getting it in book form and then and then taking it to film or television. How does that happen, that, that story from a dream to a TV series. I mean, what a what a journey, right? Uh, it, it was it's incredible to be a part of a dream come true, literally like that. Well, I think it comes to having you know great minds like Aaron Zellman, you know, being able oh, to work with Jason. Hurt. Absolutely. 
Absolutely, yes. And then what yes. a smart move on his part to bring in Michelle Fazekas and Tara Butters because I know uh-huh. that they're going to kind of flush out how these next six episodes are going to play out because we learned a little bit from ABC about kind of the backstory about Elaine. From what we understand, she puts her life on hold to basically take care of her family after Caleb's death. Mainly, we saw you know how she's taking care of her brother, you know, in this first you know two episodes. So, how do you think that relationship has changed during the in between times with your brother? Um, I think you know what happens in life. We go into survivor mode, and and not that it's necessarily a conscious decision. Um, you adapt to make things work, and. Uh, she has to become a caretaker, and probably in a lot of ways, he's one of the only people she has time to interact with. And so, you know, there's a there's a dynamic to that that's both light and heavy in the sense of that's her family, but also it's her responsibility. So it can be trying at times, but it's also the only one she has left, you know? Oh, I totally can see that. Even in this most recent episode this week, how there were many scenes where you were fully in adult mode when dealing with other members on the show, but then dealing with your brother, it definitely went Uh into sister mode. I really picked up on that. That was very well done. (laughs) Right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Travis and I definitely had, uh, and that's who plays my brother, uh, a brother-sister relationship offset. We really hit it off. And and I have a brother myself. And, you know, while he's actually in a lot of ways uh, more evolved than I am as a human being, we I could bring that uh, to the relationship that I had here. I think brother a sibling's relationship is such a unique, special bond. It, it's fun to play with in acting. And because of this quote-unquote past situation, do you think uh, your character of Elaine ever regrets giving herself up, kind of her future, uh, to more or less take care of her brother? I think when you head down that path of surviving, uh, it's not a question of giving something up. In some ways, it's the only only tunnel to take. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know that she thinks she would even consider having an opportunity of one versus the other. That's just her past, right? And there's no other way in her in her mind. So that's just the way it is. And if she stops for a moment to have doubt, I think it would probably put the crack in her window that would eventually break her. So I'm not sure that she entertains that idea at all. Does she get that strength from possibly her father? What was the relationship like with Caleb before his death? From my understanding, you know, Caleb is a, is a questionable character um, from the gate. I think definitely innately, she probably inhabits a lot of his qualities, his surviving, his bruteness, but I don't know that they have the best of relationships, though it is your father. You know, regardless of what kind of relationship you, you have, good or bad, you have that soft spot in your heart, right? Whether it is a positive or negative. And then maybe to kind of take off of that, do we know anything about Elaine's mom at this point? I mean, was there a divorce situation? Did she die earlier? Or is that something yet to be revealed? Uh, that's something that's yet to be revealed. Uh, Elaine's mom is a bit of a mystery at this point. Well, it certainly couldn't hurt to ask. (laughs) See if we could get you to spill some beans. Now, your relationship with uh, Maggie, would you say that uh, you two were friends uh, before the parents passing on? Or do you have that special bond with her because you both lost your parents? Mm -hmm. Um, I I, I think, you know, it's a small town. They probably grew up together from, you know, preschool on. 
And oh. um, while that that would be something that you know brought them closer together, I think their relationship is is from you know toddler age. And then let's talk about the obviously the big scene this week, right? I mean, you're sitting at the table. Caleb's ashes are right behind his shoulder. I mean, that was kind of a it's a touching moment and a, and a funny moment all at the same time. But I think where it really started to get to be the goosebump situation was when we were talking about this note inside the suit pocket. So how do you uh-huh. prepare emotionally for a scene like that where you know I'm going to see the note or I'm not going to see the note and be able to pull it off and fake the audience all the way through the actual reveal? You kind of just close your eyes and go for it. Um, we were fortunate to have really great directors. I just say, you know, I, I see, I know what's going to happen in the scene, but I try to forget it. And you, you, you play it each moment by moment, right? So, you know, at this point, I'm holding the jacket, what's going to happen? And, and you don't, you try, try not to anticipate the end of the scene. But I mean, I, really, a lot of that preparation, I, I was told a long time ago, don't prepare in front of the mirror. So, so you're meaning that, you know, you shouldn't know what it's going to look like. Um, and, uh, and so, so that was just really just taking it step by step. Okay. I have the jacket in my hand. Okay. I'm putting my hand inside the pocket and is there something in there? I don't know. Oh, oh, oh of course there's not. Oh, that's silly of me. How could I have thought that, you know? To go into a different mode here for real quick, um, we know that the OC is known for launching some awesome music. Uh, What kind of music is in your playlist right now? Sure. Um, I like, uh, have you heard of uh, Policia, P-O-L-I-C-A? Absolutely. Yeah. So I I like sort of the ambiance music. I love the Dead Weather, uh, Wax Taylor. You know, I'm I'm a fan of Goody Mob. The Deftones, uh, let's see, oh, Childish Gambino, Nancy Sinatra, uh, The Kills are my absolute favorite, My Morning Jacket, is that, a, is that enough? <laughs> it kind of going with like a, a rapid fire type of succession here, so what's your favorite color? Okay. Uh, actually, let's do it with, with two ways. So as okay. you and then as Elaine, what would be your favorite oh. color? Okay, so as me, my favorite colors or pink, though I never wear it, uh, and black, which I always wear it. Um, probably Elaine, I would say gray, blue, uh, n- not much not much brightness. Interesting, interesting. Now, Samira, how about your favorite movie, and what do you think Elaine's favorite movie would be? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite movie, I really love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I, I I also really love The Great Lebowski, and uh, or sorry, The Big Lebowski, um, Empire of the Sun, which was a, a very old film, um, Steven Spielberg film. Uh, Elaine's movie. Um, okay, I, I, for some reason, Gone with the Wind came to mind. Hmm, good one. Uh, <laughs> you can't miss TV show besides Resurrection. Both you and Elaine. Oh, um, okay. Oh, oh, me and Elaine. Okay. Um, all right. So for me, I, I love Modern Family. I I love The Killing. Um, True Detective was amazing. I also, I do like Trophy Wife. So that speaks to me. Uh, for Elaine, probably, I'm going to go with True Detective and The Killing as well. 
Hmm, I wonder if we should read into that. What might uh, <laughs> Elaine be up to on the show? Detective work, possibly. Now, <laughs> now kind of getting back into the mode of resurrection and a little more serious and thought-provoking, I, I guess you could say. If somebody were to come back to life, anybody from history, who would you want it to be? And is there a question that you have in mind to ask them if they were to come back? Uh, I would absolutely like to have a conversation with Albert Einstein. And, um, you know, I heard a lot of his discovery was done through meditation and, you know, various uh, sort of -of out-of-the-box antics to get to his discoveries. And I just would love to know, you know, if if there was life after death, if there was worlds after Earth that had, you know, creatures on it that exist in sort of a, a sophisticated cultures, then that, those are the questions that I would ask. Love it. I love it. And then we had a few fan questions that came in through the course of the day. Oh. So Al, on, okay. yeah, I think it was Al on Twitter said, when you were given the script for Resurrection and you started to read the part, is it something you wanted instantly or did you end up reading for a different part? Instantly, I wanted to be a part of it, absolutely. Um, and personally, I'm not much of a, I don't have much of a vocabulary for doctor-type <laughs> scripts and sides and whatnot. So that, I was very happy with, you know, the Elaine character and, uh, you know, what, what she would embody. Um, but, yeah, I, I immediately wanted to be a part. I, I just thought it was so great the first pilot uh, you know the first episode of the pilot was so well written um who wouldn't want to be a part of it you know yeah we were waiting for it for a long time almost 10 months to see yeah. the finished product oh, yeah sure and were you happy with the result oh it was absolutely fabulous we were just oh, great. super excited even though we got to see the pilot a little bit in advance we still sat uh-huh. down on sunday night and watched it again it was fabulous oh that's yeah. great yeah that's great so then, uh, of course, Sam Hazeldine had to chime in here, and he oh. he asked on Twitter, who is your favorite <laughs> screen dad? And given what right. we know of Caleb at the end of this episode, I'd be careful with your answer. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I think I, I think I have to say that Caleb is my favorite screen dad. So, but certainly, I had a great time filming with Sam. We had a great dynamic. It was interesting to play someone who didn't age. It was obviously a young father if, if he was the age that he was at uh, without having died. Um, so, yeah, he's my favorite. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> now, Samira, <laughs> what can we expect out of your character Elaine through the rest of the season? How much can you tell us, if anything at all? Uh, I can't tell you much, but I, I can say that, you know, every character, this, this show is very thought out. Regardless of which character we're watching, there's going to be some sort of evolution that they go through. That's just the way that good television is. Um, so there will be an evolution of sorts of, you know, a, a journey that she goes on and, and, uh, and, and a resolve that will end, end on. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the journey of Elaine. And of course, you've been so kind to help us out and talk to the fans. We want to make sure that we can help you out. So are there any projects, oh. charities, things that you got coming up that we can get the fans behind and rally behind you on? Yeah, actually, there's a, um, a fundraiser going on right now. And it's through, you know, I'm going to spell it out for you. T-I-M-O-U-N-K-I-S-K-E-Y-A dot wordpress.com. 
And uh, it's for the, the children in Haiti. And, you know, uh, one of the world's worst slums is in the Western Hemisphere is in Haiti. Right now they're building a center um, out of styrofoam and other recycled materials um, to help withstand uh, large earthquakes. And it's a safe center for the kids in the city of Soleil, uh, if I said that right, S-O-L-E-I-L. Um, so, yeah, through that site that I just stated, you can donate Um you know, and obviously children are our future. They are they are us, and we, we have to take care of them. And I do believe that this is one earth, right? This is one people, essentially. If we broaden our perspective and, and look at it all as a part of ours, um, we could take responsibility and help here in the States, but also out there in other parts of our world. So, yeah, that's something I'm participating in right now. Oh, excellent. We'll be sure to link to that in the show notes at uh, resurrectionrevealed.com slash Samira. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as we did uh, talking with Samira. Great information and so kind of her to take the time to share with us, Troy, because uh, it really added a lot to what's happening in that scene. So now I need to go watch episode two of Resurrection again. What I really liked is the fact that she shared that kind of back and forth in the rapid fire segment. You know, she's a, a blue gray gone with the wind, true detective kind of person. So if that doesn't tell you a lot about Elaine's character, I don't know what does. Cause I mean, you know, what we watch and what we partake in really describe us as people. And I think that was probably the most telling about where Elaine is in her life, you know, about the fact that she doesn't have a lot of, fun with the blue gray concept and that she's kind of the hopeless romantic when it comes to gone with the wind, you know? So at the same time she wants to branch out, but she has to take care of her brother because of Caleb. And then of course she lets us know that Caleb was never quite right from the get go. And with uh, Samira saying that one of her favorite uh, movies is the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy that gets two thumbs up for me. That is a uh, brilliant, brilliant. Actually the BBC TV miniseries version of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy from the 80s, although cheesy and low budget, is even better than the movie. Just so again, saying. we just want to say thank you to Samira for joining us, letting us have that personal experience with her, sharing it with all of you guys, the fans. And of course, if you like to hear more interviews like this, you can obviously help out the show. So just head on over to resurrectionrevealed.com slash support. You can give us, you know, couple bucks for each episode or a ongoing monthly contribution or just a one-time write us a check anything will help because obviously the more people that we can get listening to the show the more the interactive section is which is coming up next and our first voicemail this week is from our good friend mr jeff gentry hey wayne and troy this is jeff gentry x force 11 um when i saw him out in the woods digging uh, I saw a face. I didn't see a bag. I saw a face. It looked like a nose and something like that. So I, I, I'm kind of spoiled. I did watch the spoil of the, um, the, you know, coming next week. But I'm thinking, what if all the people who are being resurrection, resurrected, he has buried out in those woods at some type of spot? kind of like Stephen King's Pet Cemetery where you bury things and they come back. Um, so that's just, you know, my, you know, kind of theory is he, you know, he has something to do with uh, the people coming back. 
Um, but it's interesting. I, I did interpret that um, her mom was the guy uh, who the guy was talking to when, you know, he said uh, she knows about us uh, she, or she found us. So that was my interpretation. So we'll see next week. I'm enjoying it. It's got lots of twists and turns. Um, it gets me watching just like Lost did. Um, so it's fun. So we'll see what happens next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks a lot, Jeff, for calling in at 904-469-7469. It is a wide range of thoughts as to who might be actually sitting in the house with the bald-headed man, and we'll get to those in just a minute. A face. I think I think the good advice for Jeff is, number one, never, ever, ever watch the trailer for next week. Number <laughs> one, it'll just make you angry when it doesn't actually happen the way you saw it. And number two, it just spoils things that you don't want to be spoiled about. Uh, but secondly, you know, less Stephen King, even though Wayne and I are big Stephen King fans ourselves. Yeah. But you tend to look at things a little bit darker when it comes to, you know, the Stephen King stuff. I, I don't know if it was a face. I still say it was like bags, like money bags, maybe like a bank robbery or something like that. Um, maybe it was just old chicken wings or something that he wanted to hide because <laughs> he didn't know. He, well, all these resurrected people are eating so much. So there, there has to be like this, like, you know, maybe eating disorder or something. So he wants to hide food wow. or something. I don't know. I'm just stretching. But yeah, I don't know. If it, 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 I can definitely say it didn't look like bones. After the second watch, kind of paused it, screenshot the whole thing. It, it didn't look like bones. So I'm thinking it's more cloth, cloth-based. Maybe an old, you know, clothing that decayed or something, maybe from a skeleton. We'll have to wait and see. And I'm going to merge your theory with Jeff's theories with the, with the theory about the fact that he thinks he saw a nose or a face, I think that it's definitely a bag, but I think it's a bag over a face. I think there's a body in that bag, and hopefully it's dead by the way he's jabbing it with the shovel. So I'm hoping it's not too that, you know, pet cemetery, and then we've got uh, Arcadia, Missouri cemetery. Oh, my goodness, things are getting creepy. Imagine the possibilities of what could be going on there. I don't know. But we also got another call here from uh, the east coast of the United States. Hello, this is Neil from Bowie calling about uh, Resurrection Revealed, uh, Resurrection Episode 2 on Earth. Uh, the episode starts off with uh, quite a freaky nightmare of Jacob's, which uh, makes the viewer think of uh, dust to dust there. Uh, his mother can't uh, give him his old clothes. It, she doesn't feel that it's right. Um, she doesn't. I guess she doesn't quite believe that he really is him, and so she uh, wants to get him some new clothes. Other parents appear afraid of Jacob, and they don't want their kids to play with him. So... Uh, yeah. There's uh, some weird feelings about Jacob there. Pastor Tom, though, uh, reunited with uh, Jacob, and uh, they eventually got along quite quite well playing uh, video games. Uh, we should find out what's in Jacob's coffin next episode. So we uh, found out that Caleb had a heart attack while driving and woke up three days later in Portland. So Jacob off in uh, China, Caleb in Portland. Uh, Caleb's body indicated that he actually did have a heart attack three days ago. Uh, he has a note that may have been left on his body before he was cremated, and the jacket he, he was wearing uh, when uh, when the coffin uh, appeared to be around. So it seems that maybe he was returned with items that were cremated with him, though uh, 
Seems a bit weird there. Uh, before he died, he was up to something untoward, and he confronts a partner who may have double-crossed him at the end of the episode, and we're going to find out what uh, happens in that confrontation uh, next time, I presume. The uh, bald guy tells someone uh, that she found us, and so you know, Maggie had just appeared at the house there, and I guess we're left to wonder whether it's Maggie's mother with him, also, who has also now returned and continuing the affair that she had uh, before she died. Or is it something else? Uh, so people appear to return with their body about in the state when they died, same age, and having survived whatever killed them. So uh, you would think that someone who was killed in a particularly violent fashion might not be returned, as they would be uh, quite disfigured when coming back. But I guess we'll see what happens uh, down the line with that. So lots of cliffhangers in this episode, which should be resolved next time. Uh, looking forward to uh, the podcast. That's all. Neil, thank you so much for your call and your theories there. Interesting points. First, I want to talk about the fact that I hope that if somebody dies and they come back, that they're not going to still continue with an affair, but maybe that's just a, a judgment thing. Interesting that um, I didn't catch this until after seeing the episode a second time that Caleb actually resurrected in Portland, whereas, of course, Jacob all the way on the other side of the world in China. But Portland is a long way away from Arcadia, Missouri as well, Troy. Yeah, and a lot of people are getting confused, too, with this three. Some people thought he was only dead three years and really what it was was he had a heart attack three days ago, which was the three-day journey from Portland back to Arcadia. Uh, he actually died, I believe, when Elaine was 19 years old. And so in this case, if we assume Elaine's about 32, then Caleb had been about dead about 13 years, I think is what the Oscar promos had said he was, about 13 years dead. So obviously, you know, Maggie would be old enough and Elaine would be old enough to know you know, kind of what Caleb looked like at that time. It's like they were little kids, like, you know, Jacob's age. When Caleb passed away, they were, you know, getting into the adulthood stage of their life. So, yeah, dead 13 years to uh, mm. come back. And, you know, maybe it, maybe he had a heart attack. Maybe he didn't. You know, it's a lot of protein in his blood. You know, they eat a lot. Could be protein shakes. <laughs> okay, Troy. And I don't think Elaine could possibly be over 25 years old. But... I thought that it was interesting. Also, Portland, I wonder if that's kind of a shout out to Lost. You know, a lot of things were tied into Portland, which, of course, was nowhere near the mysterious island. But I think the big dynamic that I love that uh, Neil touched on was with Pastor Tom. I really like that character. And it's just so intriguing to think how, you know, Jacob and Tom both you know, played together. They were best buddies when they were little kids. And now, of course, they're still trying to relate, you know, Tom playing the video games with him uh, still, even though they didn't have video games then. It's just interesting to see how their friendship is totally different now. And I wonder if, by some chance, if Jacob's able to go back in time, if, if this thing whole, if this whole thing wraps up with everything being rolled back and he's able to be with Tom again as a friend when they're like 10 years old. I wonder if he would have the memories of him as an adult and tell him, hey, you know, I met you, you were older, you were a priest, blah, blah, blah. I know I'm really looking way too far ahead, but uh, the whole dynamic is very cool. Absolutely. Um, and it's actually interesting because Ray wrote in and he basically said something about, you know, this whole concept about Pastor Tom. And if you go back to the 
first episode and listen to Pastor Tom's kind of sermon, I think that sermon might set up kind of the rules of the show and what this whole thing is about. And I, mm. I think Ray might be on to something. You know, when you tell a good story narrative, you know, take Stephen King's The Dark Tower, for example. In the very first book of the Dark Tower series, Stephen King basically sets up all the rules you need to know about the adventure so that when you get to book seven and get to the ending, you shouldn't be surprised because the rules have been in play the entire time. Right. So I wonder if Pastor Tom's sermon is the rules for resurrection. Hmm. So I would go back and watch that sermon uh, once again. Ray also wrote in and noticed in the opening sequence that Ralph and Marissa James' tombstones were both next to each other, and Jacob touched both of those tombstones. So is that something significant? Because again, if you go with the, they're showing us things for a reason, does the touching of the tombstones have any significance? I think it's got to have some sort of significance, but I'm wondering if it could just be boiled down to, you know, poor Jacob isn't really sure what has happened to him. You know, I know we've seen a few clues where he's asked people, did I die? Did we all die? And then, so he's just touching the tombstones to maybe get a touch of reality, so to speak. Like really, are, are these tombstones really here? I don't know if it has significance beyond that, but I'm anxious to find out. And I agree. The fact that they showed it, it means something. Yeah. And there's a lot, a lot of theories floating around as to who is in the house with the bald headed man. Oh, yeah. So Ray actually continues with his feedback. And he said, uh, I think pr pretty much the same thing that Neil said, right? When the man's talking to the person in the house, Ray thinks that, uh, he's talking to Maggie's mother, Barbara. But then Steve from Wisconsin disagrees with Ray. And I thought this was totally trippy because I never even thought this myself. But Steve from Wisconsin says that the bald-headed man goes into the house and is talking to the real father. What? Which means that the bald-headed man nor the sheriff are Maggie's father and that the real father is who he says, you know, hey, she found us. And I was like, whoa, that's like blowing my mind right now. Now, that's a wild, wild theory, Steve. Um, I wonder how, how he came up with that one. Now, I know we don't want to touch necessarily on something that might be spoilery in the book or not, but is that something that's in the book? Is that addressed? No, I wouldn't even think about the book at this point. We're completely off the reservation. Well, I know, but I just didn't know if that was something that was in the book. But that's wild. I mean, if that comes to comes to be... What's going on, Steve? We've got it right here on the podcast as proof that you were the first one that we knew of that came up with that theory. That would be crazy. Well, then Amanda wrote in and she actually said that she believes that it's not Maggie's mother or the real father, that it's just somebody else. But she does believe that Aunt Barbara is going to make an appearance back from the dead at some point in the course of the show. Hmm. Now, my crackpot theory on this whole thing is that when he says hey, she found us, I think he's talking to more than one person, that there might be a group of returned actually inside the house. What? <laughs> that would be crazy. But So a group of returned, but not including Jacob for whatever reason, he's not part of their group? Maybe. Maybe there were sides when this whole thing went down. Ooh, this could get real messy. Now, we keep referring to him as the bald-headed man. He actually does have a name on the show. His name is Sam Catlin. And... This is actually a really great Easter egg for all of you real diehard fans out there. So this episode, Unearth, was written by Thomas Schnauz, 
who actually also wrote for Breaking Bad. While Thomas was writing on Breaking Bad, he had a writing partner named Sam Catlin. Whoa. So you have that kind of cool Easter egg where Thomas is using his friend as a character in his other show. So you can actually go out and tell all of your friends now that you got this cool insider information right here on Resurrection Revealed. So share on Facebook and Twitter that you listen to the show. And then, of course, ask them to subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever they have their favorite podcasting app to get more cool Easter eggs like this one. Now, I, before we continue with the email, I would just want to break in and say, if I ever get to write for a TV show or a movie, I'm definitely going to write a bunch of friends in there as characters. You would not believe Troy Heinrichs, the, the character that uh, you're going to become. <laughs> I'm almost afraid to ask. <laughs> continue. So Amanda also says that the look on Maggie and Agent B, she calls him Agent B. I don't know cool. if we're watching Herb or something like that. But Agent Bellamy's face indicated to her that no body was inside the coffin, or you could say nobody was inside the coffin, mm. where a few others on Twitter said that somebody besides Jacob was actually in the coffin. See, I got casket phobia all creeping up on me again. <laughs> I could see where if if they do show the coffin and there's somebody totally different inside of it. That's going to cause a host of problems and complications that we're going to have to sort out. Uh, that's interesting. It's the question of, you know, if there's a body in there, I get an answer. And if I don't see a body in there, then I get an answer. But if I see a different body in there, that's a whole other game altogether. That's questions, not answers. Now, Ray also sent in some comments around the fence line conversation. He thought that Caleb told Jacob a lie. But what he really told them was to lie, meaning hide who they were from the rest of the town, which also then means that Caleb and Jacob know what each other are. And, you know, I think that to me, that fence line conversation went on a little bit longer than just say, hey, don't tell anybody who you are. So there was more to that conversation that Jacob's also not sharing with Maggie and Agent Bellamy. What do you think, Wayne? It did seem like he was whispering and mouthing words a lot longer than just saying, hey, be sure to lie to these people. Like maybe he built up, here's why you need to lie. But then again, I can see where possibly there could be a lot more behind it. I wonder if it'll be one of those uh, trick shots where in an episode or two down the road, they're going to show it again, but maybe from Caleb's angle, and we'll actually get to hear what he told him and find out whether or not Jacob understood what the whole thing was uh, was about. Now, if you want to hear your theory or your thought right here on the podcast, make sure you head over to resurrectionrevealed.com slash feedback. You can either send us in an email right from the webpage. You can record. Uh, there's a little red record button using a microphone right on your smartphone or computer. Uh, you could go ahead and call 904-469-7469 if you have no other way to get it in and uh, like Neil and uh, Jeff Gentry did there today. Uh, feel free to just send it on in because we want to hear more of these awesome theories. I, I never would have thought that it was the real father inside the house. I think that one is just still still blows my mind every time I read it. That's why this is the show that's by fans and for fans and with fans of Resurrection, because even though our heads can spin with all sorts of uh, thoughts and theories, Troy, listeners, we love how you come up with all sorts of other crazy things. And together, we might be able to just figure this whole thing out. But first, the radio station in Chester's Mill may have burned down, but you can still hear hits like, and they're still having fun. 
Chester's Mills, the one. And Splish Splash, the egg was taking a bath deep below a methane-filled lake. Rub a dub, let's have Julia didn't flub, making this decision in haste. All thanks to Under the Dome Radio. This summer, Troy and Wayne return to discuss what happened when we were blinded by the light. Wrapped up in the noose as the dome it turned to white. Blinded by the light. Holding on to a lever as the dome it turned to white. Be sure to set the dial of your podcasting app to Under the Dome Radio and keep the propane donations flowing at Under the Dome Radio. Proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Yeah, I know those guys. Yeah, that Wayne and Troy, that Troy and Wayne. Yeah, that's uh, the show we do during the summertime when Under the Dome is on CBS. And uh, we have a great time with that podcast. And that new promo just was finished up a couple of hours ago by our buddy Rick Moyer at MoyerMultimedia.com. And that thing just makes me smile when I hear it. We also want to thank a lot of people out there that have been helping get the word out about the podcast over on iTunes, more great five-star reviews. You can go ahead and do that at resurrectionrevealed.com slash iTunes. Thanks to Trishy104, Brian Holmes, Pit29, and Puppy Trainer for the great five-star reviews you guys gave since last week's episode. Keep those reviews and five-star ratings coming. It really helps the show get discovered, so we get more awesome theories from you guys, the fans. Oh, yeah, it's totally amazing. Thank you so very much. Also want to thank Professor Alan Middleton at the Quarterbin Podcast, played our Resurrection Revealed promo on his show last week, and Jeff and Colleen Roney over at the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast played the Resurrection Revealed promo as well. Thank you so much for sharing it because uh, we're pretty proud of that one as well. Yeah, and we also had some fellow Noodle Mix shows also share the, the, our promo on their shows. We have a ton of great shows right here on Noodle Mix Network, so check that out at noodle.mx, and of course, subscribe in iTunes. And some big thank yous to folks that have already used our Amazon affiliate link at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Amazon. It really helps us. You know, the prices are all the same, so if you're going to shop Amazon anyway, it just go ahead and use our link, and it helps out the show. We get a small kickback, but it all helps support the hosting and other things we're trying to do here on the show. And like you, we're fans of the show. We're not officially tied to ABC or Plan B, you know, but we'd like to be. And it takes a little bit to keep the website running, the feed of great episodes and interviews coming your way so if you love what you're hearing so far head on over to resurrectionrevealed.com support and send us a one-time or monthly ongoing donation showing how much you love resurrection revealed and don't forget every sunday after the east coast airing at 10 30 eastern 9 30 central 7 30 pacific if you're lucky enough to get the east coast feed we will be live talking about our initial thoughts and chatting with you the fans so make sure you join us by heading over to resurrectionrevealed.com slash live 30 minutes after the east coast airing of resurrection on abc until next time i'm troy and i'm wayne henderson we'll see you next time on resurrection revealed Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx, like our Once podcast for Once Upon a Time and the award-winning Audacity to Podcast, all waiting for you at noodle.mx.